0: Welcome to the Longitude Research Podcast, Thought Leadership Insights, where senior figures from the firm, together with leading marketing executives, explore key trends shaping the evolution of thought leadership and marketing. I am your host, Fregel Byrne. Welcome to Episode 3 of Longitude's Thought Leadership Insights Podcast. I'm very pleased today to introduce Alison Tattersall. Alison is Corporate Marketing Director at Barclays Bank. Welcome to the Thought Leadership's Insights podcast, Alison.
1: I'm delighted to be here, Fergal. Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: It's great to have an opportunity to speak to you today to talk about the great work that you're doing at Barclays. Maybe a good place to start would be if you could tell me a little bit about your role at Barclays and how it has evolved in recent years.
1: Yes, of course. I look after the marketing for corporate banking at Barclays, which is everything from medium-sized UK businesses right up to global multinationals. My role involves the full marketing mix, so we do above the line, digital, we look after our client facing website, and we do lots of content and thought leadership from quite in-depth research pieces to short, snappy LinkedIn and Twitter content. I'm lucky enough in my team that I've got both an industry and a regional marketing team. So have a team of marketeers across the regions that we serve and also that focus on specific industry specialisms. And to me, the real nub of B2B marketing is making it really, really relevant and showing our clients that we understand the communities in which they operate and the businesses um, and the sector that they serve and operate in. I think in terms of how it's evolved in recent years. My audience are getting younger, they're getting more familiar with uh, mobile. And I think there's a real variety of needs and appetite that we need to serve from really short, insightful content through to more in-depth pieces. I think it's really interesting having this conversation in early 2017. I think the economy, the political landscape is so interesting and unusual and people are desperate for information and opinion from different sources and trusted sources that to me it's inviting that conversation and inviting that opinion and perspective and engaging in that dialogue with clients
0: and with prospects. That's very interesting. You talk about building trust. Can you talk a little bit about what needs to happen for this promise to be realised?
1: I think it's a really interesting point. And I think it's been really understanding where as a brand you have permission to play and where you don't have permission to play. And it's really interesting. If I look at the content we've done over the last few months, things like the Apprenticeship Levy or Modern Slavery um, Act have done really well because people are looking for information and a trusted brand, which Barclays is, to have an opinion and perspective and to help direct them. Um, I know that the, the best performing piece of content we've done over recent years has been our response to the EU referendum vote. So I think it's an ideal opportunity in the perfect storm that we're in to actually have an opinion and perspective, but also don't try and go too far from where your brand operates. I don't think we've got permission to go everywhere and anywhere. I think we need to understand that for me, I work for a a financial services brand. I help businesses operate in the UK and around the globe, but I don't have permission to go everywhere. I need to understand what my heartland is.
0: That's a very interesting point you make. Speaks to proliferation as a danger of thinness and and straying into areas that you don't have permission to operate. How does the thought leadership fit in, would you say, into the corporate marketing at Barclays?
1: If I think about my team over recent years and also how I think it's going to evolve over coming years, I think thought leadership is becoming increasingly important, both in terms of what we do Um, through digital, through webinars, but also what we do for our events. And my audience are really interested in events and opportunities and content that enables them to to learn something, to engage in an interesting dialogue. Gone are the days of more hospitality-focused marketing, and it's got to have some real depth and content, and it's got to add some real value. So we spend a lot of time now thinking about what are the really interesting things that are coming up, changing regulation, changing climate, changing politics, and how can we leverage that and provide that content?
0: There's been a proliferation of content, new types of content, new media. Where does traditional thought leadership, white papers, surveys, rigorous research-driven communications fit into content marketing at Barclays today, Alison?
1: I think it's got a place. And certainly, if I think about what we do here at Barclays, where we do lots of industry-specific thought leadership, where the audience know an awful lot about their industry and they're looking for real in-depth, detailed research and opinion and added value. But I also think there's a really important role for content and thought leadership in parallel to that that is more shorter. We did some work recently with the writer, And they were doing some teaching and training for my team. And they came up with a lovely quote they shared with us. Just remember your reader is selfish, lazy and ruthless. So I think that we have to leverage new channels and social media to provide snippets and ready access for people on the move, on the go, who don't have much time? How can we actually add value and share those snippets, as well as doing the more in-depth research at the same time?
0: Right. It seems for many companies today, this in-depth survey research content provides a foundation, a base that feeds the shorter, snappier, easier to access content. But you do need to have both.
1: Definitely. And I think the the more detailed research is really valuable because it enables the perfect marriage of marketing and PR, because often journalists are looking for something that's more detailed. You've also got the, the industry bodies and the KBIs who are totally immersed in their specific sector and probably want that more detailed analysis. So I think that it's how we leverage that and use the snippets and the more detailed. For me, increasingly, our focus is not on one and done from a content perspective. How can we actually amplify that research and the more detailed, in-depth thought leadership and get those snippets out? So we don't just do one piece of research. We actually leverage that through events, through social, and we get much better um, reach and breadth through what we're investing in.
0: Right. Can you talk a little about how you amplify the more detailed, in-depth thought leadership?
1: We work with each of our industry teams and the the PR team at Barclays to really understand what will be attractive to the sector, what will be attractive to the media for that sector and the the industry bodies. And we work out what our our thought leadership programme is going to be for the year. And I think that that's served as well. I think increasingly we're seeing lots of opportunities to think pan-industry as well you think about, for example, the supply chain across the UK, from what we might manufacture through to how we serve that through retail and wholesale, there's different sectors that can go on that journey and that are interested in similar themes, be it regulation, be it politics, be it the changing global trade landscape. How can we actually make the content relevant to the industry, but also potentially think bigger than that and think across different industries.
0: Now, here's a question, Alison, which probably doesn't have a simple answer, but what does a good thought leadership campaign look like to you?
1: I think it's back to what I said a moment ago, which is it's got to have longevity. It can't be one and done. It's got to be highly relevant and targeted and for me, that is increasingly important. It's striking a chord, really showing that we understand something that's important to a client. It also needs to be timely. We've tried lots of different things in terms of how we distribute our thought leadership, getting things out really speedily in what is unprecedented in terms of how fast things are changing and happening in the current landscape how can we make it timely how can we make it really relevant and how can we actually invite clients to drill down into different levels of detail engage in that dialogue and ideally for me have an opportunity to actually have a face-to-face conversation through one of our events or interactions with our relationship team if I think of an example that we've done a lot of work on over recent months, it would be cyber fraud, cyber security, helping businesses understand some of the threats that they face and how can they increase their own awareness and education within their business. And we've done that across every single channel we possibly can and we'll continue to do so because it's somewhere where we've got a lot of permission to play. We're a trusted brand in this space. We've got a responsibility to educate and help businesses. And by being relevant, targeted and timely, we can really see the, the benefits and the impact of the work we're doing in that space.
0: That's interesting. You talk about the importance of a dialogue with your target audience. This brings up an important question, activation. Can you talk a little bit about activation and what it means to you and why do you think it's attracting growing interest from marketers?
1: I think it's absolutely fascinating the concept of activation and how do you do that? And and I think, and this is probably my primary goal for the 2017, and of my team, a marketing team in a relationship-led business cannot be successful on its own. So we are training all of our frontline relationship teams on how they themselves use social media, how they share their content, how they build their own profiles. So for me, I don't just have a marketing team, I have hundreds of colleagues who are engaging and using the content and thought leadership I will create centrally to share onwards and to activate it and to leverage it and to use it. So to me, the biggest opportunity is if you have a relationship team, how can you make them part of your marketing team? And that's a challenge because I work in a highly regulated industry. I work in an industry where my compliance colleagues sometimes are a little bit nervous about some of the things we may want to do because we're devolving some of the marketing out to the front line. But I think the opportunity of doing that is is huge. So to me, activation is all about getting my coverage, my relationship teams to help me to share the work that we develop centrally.
0: You mentioned earlier the importance of timely presentation of your thought leadership. On the other hand, there are often considerable pressures to make sure the content's accurate and it's compliant, pressures that can delay things. Can you talk about this tension?
1: Yeah, I think that it's really important that what we deliver is really good quality and it's difficult and we're on a journey there we used to spend months and months getting the perfect shot the perfect adverts that was beautifully lit that was really impactful we simply can't afford to do that anymore because we we've got so much volume breadth and depth of content that we need to share it needs to be timely it needs to be relevant But I will not sacrifice the quality of what we send out. And that means empowering people. It means, you know, sometimes we will make mistakes there, but it's about catching that and learning from it and how do we do things differently. But I think that because so much more is going out and it's going out so much quicker than ever before, you have to make sure you have a really trusted relationship with your agencies and your team to make sure that you really stress the importance of the quality of what goes out.
0: Right. Now you mentioned the relationship team. Can you talk a little bit about what some of the generic challenges are of bringing them up to speed with the thought leadership and maybe one or two things that you've learned about this process?
1: I think our relationship teams manage the relationships with UK PLC, with all the businesses that we look after here at Barclays, and so they've got 101 things to do. I don't want to give them anything onerous to do, but I know that they're the the face and the humanity of our relationship. So I I want to make them and enable them and empower them to share the content that we create. So some of the challenges are how onerous is what I'm building? Is it simple and easy for them to share? Do we do it appropriately? So can I have a simple audit trail so I know what's happening? But the real benefit of it is that I can track things centrally so I can effectively performance manage it. I can encourage my relationship teams to share X amount of content on specific topics and also invite their clients to a certain number of events every quarter. So I know that they're having an opportunity to engage in a really quality dialogue about some of the the areas and issues of the day that will add value to the businesses. So the ability to track it centrally is really important.
0: Yes, tracking, measurement, Good thought leadership is, I think, always a mixture of art and science. We are seeing a lot more attention we pay to measuring thought leadership, which is surely a welcome development. And on the other hand, as you've said, the real impact of thought leadership often goes beyond simple measures. Can you talk a little bit about this tension and this question of how you measure the impact of thought leadership?
1: I mean, I work in a financial services business. I work in a business that is predominantly governed by numbers, is a very analytical so I probably spend more time with my finance colleagues and with any other team because I have to be a commercial marketing team in order to show clearly the value that we add to the business. But I think you have a responsibility as a marketeer to educate the business on the eighty twenty: What can you measure and what can't you measure? And also, what's the mix of the softer metrics around things like brand health versus the ones that are about your specific return on investment? Unfortunately, we have been on a journey there at Barker's and we've got a robust way of measuring our marketing activity that the business is comfortable with and supports and indeed are active agents in helping us to do that. So we obviously have all the traditional marketing metrics around brand health and engagement and, you know, what's our actual content um, driving in terms of that activity. But also we have real specific return on investment metrics that are predominantly led off our event activity. But I can show really clearly that the value of the marketing investment, and it's an investment in the business, not a cost to the business, what we're actually driving. And the business now, through educating them on the science and the art of what we do, really buy into it and are very supportive and protective of my budget.
0: What about social media? I'm just wondering, it's a vast topic and very much in the news at the moment, changing as well with new platforms arriving and consumers, the way access information changing over time as well. Can you talk a little bit about how that plays into your thought leadership campaigns?
1: I think that I am probably from a a barclays perspective not necessarily at the forefront of adopting new social channels because my audience from a a corporate b2b perspective is predominantly leveraging linkedin they're leveraging twitter and that's how i am with them. I'm really keen to explore how we can use some of the other social media platforms, but that's quite embryonic today because I want to almost put the foot in the water and test actually where do I have permission to go from a B2B corporate perspective versus other more established channels. And also I'm mindful of the fact that just because you're a finance director of a FTSE 100 doesn't mean to say you're not. A, a personal retail wealth client of a bank so how do we marry the different channels and the different propositions across the different segments it's working progress it's watch this space but it is something that we're thinking about how we actually try different things and innovate and I'm quite conscious that we wouldn't do that with a hundred percent of our focus we would test different things and it may be that different industry sectors respond differently so actually understanding how we play and how that works will be really interesting
0: do you do many industry specific campaigns and how important is that
1: no certainly i think the core of the corporate banking proposition at barclays is that we really understand your industry and we have dedicated relationship teams who serve your industry So, you know, a technology company, a media company, a retail company, hospitality and leisure, they're going to leverage marketing channels and engage with them differently. And also the individuals within those businesses are. So how do we use that and how do we use some of the industry bodies and partners to actually engage and enter into those interesting dialogues. So we're always up for opportunities to not just work on our own, but actually who are the partners who we should be thinking about engaging with to actually share content and to have an opinion and and how can Barclays bring you ready access to that?
0: That's fascinating, Alison. The themes that come back are the teamwork and the partnering again and again, and that it's not something that takes place in isolation or in a silo, but the key element of working together is a very interesting theme. What's your top tip for maximising the return on investment on a campaign?
1: I think my top tip is back to the quote I, I shared around remembering that your reader is selfish, lazy and ruthless. And don't don't try and bore the ocean and be too verbose, but ensure that you have bite-sized content. And also, if I may, indulge me and have a second top tip. It's leverage your frontline colleagues, leverage your relationship team. If you're lucky to have a relationship team within your organization, then how do you make those people
0: marketeers Thanks, Alison. It brought up an interesting question as well, because quite often, again, talking about more the traditional thought leadership dial, with the content coming from maybe a survey or looking at what's happening in a particular industry, or indeed, as you said, questions like regulation. So there's a balance, I suppose, in some cases with material which is drawn from outside of the organisation, but equally important to include perspectives, insights that are generated within the organisation, within Barclays. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think because of all size and because we're a retail bank, a corporate bank, and because we also have our merchant acquiring business in card, we have access to a phenomenal amount of data around what is happening with the marketplace in which we operate. So that is a phenomenal asset to have as a marketeer, to be able to share those insights be able to go out to a specific corporate and to work with them to help them to look at their own strategy and say well you know you have a shopping center here let's have a look at what data we have and obviously we're very protective of the data privacy of that data but how can we actually help businesses make strategic planning decisions by leveraging the power of the data we have across the barclays group and that's a a really exciting asset that we have to help my clients which is really exciting and and work out how we take that to market successfully.
0: Right, responsiveness. You mentioned this question that you're generating producing content over time and clearly some content takes off. Can you talk a little about the process you go through to make sure that particular content attracts the greatest interest?
1: I think timeliness and really understanding is really important. And we test lots of different things. We test different titles, we send sending them out at different times. We don't beat ourselves up. And actually, I do believe in celebrating when you get things wrong, because you learn a lot from it. So we test lots and lots of different things to really understand it. Sometimes I'm surprised about the content that doesn't work as much as I'm surprised about the content that does work. But I do think that being brave in having an opinion and a perspective on some of the things that are happening in the current landscape of the world in 2017 is really important. And I think that that's quite challenging in some more traditional businesses. I work in quite a traditional business. We have checks and controls in what we can and can't do, but I'm, I do believe in, in pushing it a little bit because I think there is real appetite for interesting opinions and perspective on, on what is happening and how that will influence trade and business across the world.
0: Yes, having a strong voice. You do see quite a lot of content that is saying on the one hand and on the other and laying these things out. And there's an appetite for perspective, for thought out, perspective and in-depth thinking and guidance. Finally, just wondering, looking forward, Alison, what opportunities do you see arising as a result of applying thought leadership approach to your marketing strategy at Barclays?
1: So I think the future is really, really exciting because I think there are new tools and technologies that are gonna help us improve our relevancy. And also to really understand what our clients are engaging with and to really personalise what we do to make it really, really relevant and targeted and to really help. Them. And I think that that's really exciting. I don't ever want it to be too formulaic. I think it needs to engage. It needs to have real humanity. But I think some of the technologies that are coming online are going to really help us to centrally produce lots and lots of different flavors of our content that really engages and helps businesses.
0: Can you talk a little bit about making your thought leadership relevant?
1: I think the most most important thing when you're doing b2b marketing is really understanding the business really understanding the the challenges and opportunities that business faces. I'm really lucky because I have both a regional team and an industry team whose job it is to work really closely with our coverage and product teams to understand those sectors and those local communities so we can make the content that we produce really relevant to that business and that um, region. And I think that's, that's the most important thing we can do in B2B marketing.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you, Alison. That's been a very rich discussion. It's been really interesting to hear about your approach to content marketing and thought leadership in particular at Barclays. Lots to think about. Thank you so much for taking the time today to speak to Thought Leadership Insights.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me.